Hey, welcome to Tech Lido. This podcast is basically the everyday stuff an average person thinks about, raw and honest, filled with humor and wit. We chat about creativity, leadership, entrepreneurship, failure and success. Things which needs deep discussions but lighter moments. So it's me Kazim joined by some amazing industry experts. friends occasionally to talk about some great topics that we otherwise don't discuss in a candid manner every sunday a new episode so i would love you all to join me hey colum how are you doing i'm very well thank you how are you doing today oh i'm i'm brilliantly doing well uh so thank you for joining uh, for this episode uh, we finally got to connect Yeah, it's uh great to have the opportunity to chat to you and connect and talk all things uh, education and tech leader. Oh, I'm absolutely thrilled to have you my friend. Uh when I was thinking about this episode, uh, the reason behind is uh that I got so many messages from students uh, uh international students, national students that Kazim we need to we need to know uh, the situation post pandemic uh in in the in the universities and who can best tell me that uh, than you uh but saying that let's talk about your intro man how did you get into uh, the education sector what's your story buddy what's your story okay well it's it's an interesting story i think in terms of getting into the industry because it really goes back a long way and it goes back to transition year so when i was about 15 or 16 and i was involved in a program called mehel and mehel is the irish word for collective so it comes from a time when farmers used to go round to help each other at harvest time and they would go to one farm and they would do the harvest there and then they would go to the next farm so working to collectively and that was called a mehel so it means helping each other out essentially and what you did in that transition year was you learned team building skills listening skills communication skills and then when you went into fifth year you helped out with the first years and so you would do kind of orientation events for the first years in secondary school and that kind of sparked my interest i suppose in kind of student services as such and i became a team leader on the mehel program for a number of years and then i was coming towards the end of my masters and i didn't know what i was going to do and one of the other um ladies who was involved in running mehel said to me there's a student support team in cit would you consider you know um applying to it so she gave me the number of a guy named kieran and i gave kieran a call and i said look kieran i hear you have the student support team at cit could you tell me a little bit about it so kieran outlined what it was and i said that sounds fantastic and we talked about my background so we talked for a good while on the phone he said yeah i'd be willing to give you an interview um i said great and he said um could you send me through a, a, a cv and and come out for an interview and i said grant when do you want me out? he said this afternoon so i hopped on the the bus out to bishopstown out to the cork institute of technology he had my cv i did an interview with him and adele delay down there i worked then i was the first non cit grad to work on their student support team i did that for a year i came to dublin 
I worked in the immigration office actually for a year in the policy unit there. And then I went to run a study abroad program for an American institution. I did that for a number of years. I was very fortunate. I loved that. And it was very successful. After that, I went and I worked in Trinity College. I really enjoyed that. I went from Trinity to UCD. I uh, did a couple of years in UCD and I moved to DCU just coming up uh, almost a year. It'll be a year next month. So I've really enjoyed my, my time in DCU. I've been working, I suppose, with international students for almost all my time in higher ed. And we're coming up on about 14 years in the sector now. I'm working mainly in student recruitment in DCU and really enjoying it. I, I really like the, the ethos at DCU. Um, great staff. We have a new president who has just come in after um, 10 years of our previous president who did a really fantastic job. Brian was really fantastic. I didn't know him that well, but everyone that I've spoken to only has good things to, to say about him. And in, in the time that I, I have been there, I, I've seen what an impact he has. And now we have Professor Dara Kyo. And I really think Dara is a man of vision. And he has outlined, you know, his response to the challenges of COVID. I find him quite inspiring. And I think he's put a, a really good team around. So I'm looking forward to the next few years at DCU. Wow, uh, that's that's nice. Uh, actually, you know, when you're working with students, uh, like I remember my days when uh, I was like volunteering uh, within the university uh, for the new international students, uh, and and it's exciting, you know, when uh, because you have students from different diversity and background, and they come uh, come uh, into the university, they're new, they want to learn what's the culture, how things are, and also, you know, one of the biggest advantages is like you get to travel a lot as well. I mean, I'm sure that you have traveled a lot um, uh, for. The the international uh, recruitment uh, for the students across and I think um, that makes it more exciting uh, to to uh, travel meet a lot of people uh, get to know them and also share uh, the tradition and cultures of uh, of Ireland and then that that's really good um, and 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 just just to ask you um, about uh, one of the interesting facts is like, do you think all these years the education sector has changed pretty much? It has moved from, uh, there, there was a time when classroom education was um, really important. And then we have, we moved from classroom to uh, online based uh, assessments or uh, homework. And then from there, uh, we are in current situation where we are uh, completely online. Uh, do you think the transition uh, was, uh, from past five to six years that had happened so quickly or uh, in your eyes, what, what did you think uh, and how it went there? Um, it's an interesting question. And I suppose I think there have, you've seen the impact of technology in a whole host of different ways. And I think lots of it has been tremendously beneficial to higher education, but I think there there have undoubtedly been you know some some problems um as, as time has gone on i think that online education has improved like beyond measure 
And I think that um, DCU, where I am now, certainly played a, a role in that. But if you think about the way in which people used to think about online learning and it used to be kind of uploading um, some PowerPoint slides and maybe uh, a voiceover, um, if that. And that is absolutely no longer the, the case. I mean, we now see virtual learning environments, immersive learning. I think that technology has been a wonderful asset in many aspects of education. I think that for a cohort of people, a number of people, it will probably can now be possibly the main way they access education, particularly for those who maybe are working and are looking to access further education. I think for those who potentially, you know, what we might call traditional students, the group who are 18 to 24, I still think in-person learning has a a hugely formative role. I mean, I think we know that now people's brains aren't fully formed until they're about 25. So for me, that in-person piece, the socialization piece, the importance of clubs and societies, the importance of learning outside the classroom, of, of being on a college campus and having access to the library and having access to so many extracurricular um, utilities, I still think that will play a fundamental role. But I do think for people who are working, the fact that they can now access online learning anywhere in the world and absolutely top quality online learning and that you could be sitting in your apartment, wherever you are in the world, and still taking part in a discussion, a debate, and learning. I think that is a game changer on that side uh, of the house for further education. Okay. Uh, but also from one point of view, yeah, it is, it's, it's a game changer and it, the transition is huge. And we have seen most of the universities going completely online. But don't you think... Uh, the interaction during the campus, within the campus, among students and different joining the different clubs, uh, the sports and recreation, and participating in many um, events within the campus uh, will be missing if we go completely online. Or do you think that we need to have this mixed bag of education where you have like, okay, we have three days of online classes and two days you have to be in the campus uh, in class education or in class activities? Do you think that? maybe the universities will take that approach going forward? So what, as I was saying, I think for me, the, that traditional cohort, I think in-person learning is really important. And I'm kind of separating a little bit the, the impact of COVID because I think that's somewhat temporary. Um, and I can come back to that. For me, the traditional students as such, that, that cohort needs in-person education, I think benefits massively from in-person um, education rather than online. I think the online world is suited to um, more, ma- more mature students or, or people who are already working and looking to take on education in a part-time capacity. COVID has had an Im- a huge impact uh, and a disruptive impact on education. And we had a, 
you know, in March, universities were made to scramble. And it was interesting because on my podcast, I spoke to an academic, Dr. Connor Buggy, and Connor has some of his courses which are already online and many of them that he was teaching face to face. And he talked about how the pedagogy is completely different when you're teaching online. And so that mid-semester switch, that was phenomenally disruptive. And I would give huge kudos to the academic staff who had to turn their entire teaching apparatus around and their modes of assessment mid-semester and to the students as well who you know were weren't planning for this didn't know that they were going online and all of a sudden they had to because COVID forced that so I think it was an enormously disruptive but from talking to the students and I've had many of them on the podcast and done interviews with a lot of them they talked about how it went you know pretty well so I do think there will be learnings from that now this semester is going to be a little bit different because I think different institutions are going to take different approaches and so some some people will have more time on online than others I, I think that is, you know, a, a, a result of COVID. I don't see it being a, a long-term thing because, because of COVID, you know, there will be restrictions on library usage, for example. Libraries are traditionally places where on campus students can just drop in, you know, and, and maybe meet as a group. I think now you're probably looking at realistically students having to book space for a period of time. So I think that would be, you know, one example of a change. I think as as the semester goes through, we'll we'll have to see in which if there's a second wave, obviously there might be, you know, a move back towards completely online. If um and I would love this to be the case because I'm somebody who does a lot of work with international students, you know, outside of the classroom and I do a lot of weekend walks and I love bringing international students to CGA matches. I would love us to be in a position where we, we don't have to deal with a second wave and we can move instead towards more of an in-person, in-class teaching. So I think COVID is a disrupted force, but I do think a lot of the learnings that we have taken from it will be of benefit to the, say, part-time learner, people who are working in the future. But for me, traditional education of 18 to 24-year-olds will still mainly be on a college campus and in person. Yeah, I think you made an important point um, uh, there. Uh, just on the point where you mentioned about the coronavirus, right? I know definitely coronavirus uh, has impacted the universities across the globe. So, um, so the universities now, basically in the U.S. and and, and Europe, are like confront they're confronting a long-standing challenges in higher education, such as skyrocketing tuition costs and the perception of elitism, and some of the resulting changes could be permanent, right? Uh, so over the long term, universities might shift many classes online. Um, uh, and as we spoke, the trend is already underway and also have uh, fewer international students and even, uh, you know, focus more on, uh, on, on the national or, or the residential uh, students. So how do you see that balance will work out? Because um, 
the reason of, for my question is uh, in Europe and in US uh, or Australia, uh, some of the richest universities like MIT, uh, uh, UCD or uh, Trinity College, uh, they have the tools and the materials um, or, or probably the budget uh, to have the online classes, create an infrastructure for the students that will not impact the education. But um, uh, if you see some of the poor countries like Pakistan or, or, or um, uh, Bangladesh, uh, I was reading an article where when the universities closed in, in, in those countries in March, uh, the instructor didn't have the tools to teach online and many students lacked reliable in internet access at home. And that, was, that had a huge impact on the students. Do you think this will, um, because we are really looking at the fact from the fact that we are able to accommodate these changes. But what about uh, uh, the countries, the international students who apply for the scholarships and they come from uh, those part of the countries uh, will go through the transition and, and, and be part of it? I think you raise an interesting point and I don't know if there are easy answers to it. I think that the rising costs of education, particularly in, in some countries, definitely concerns me when you see people potentially being priced out of education. And I think that that's something that the education sector writ large needs to ensure that we keep an eye on and that you know we we have to examine that and and whether that is we provide better scholarships whether we find uh, alternative ways of ensuring that students can access education but i definitely don't want to see a situation where we where where education does become elitist i, I think that's what we moved away from, you know, in the, say, the the 1800s right the way through. I mean, the aim up to this point certainly has been to make education as accessible as possible for most people. Um, and I think maybe, you know, in, in some places there has been the jump in fees, but not not everywhere. I would also hate to see us lose the rich diversity that we have on our campuses and for me if we didn't have international students that would be a great loss i think we're especially in ireland we're only really beginning to see you know the, it's only in maybe the last decade two decades potentially if you really want to stretch it that you're beginning to see the the rise in the number of international students and having worked with internet you know i've been there for nearly what did i say 14 years so i've been there and it's been it's been wonderful i see what they bring to a campus i actually think that irish universities and probably universities worldwide should be looking to do more to enhance the cultural integration of international students. And what I mean by that, I, I'll give you an example. I sometimes have Irish students who will come to me, okay, and they'll say things like, the, uh, the Chinese students don't, don't speak English. I say, I know the Chinese students. I'm saying, what are you why, are you why, why are you saying that? And they say, well, they don't, they don't ask questions in class. 
And I said, so that's, that's why you think they don't speak English. Yeah, they don't ask questions in class. And the, that's a cultural piece. In, in China, you would not ask questions. Your, your lecturer is, is the expert. You're there to get information from them. Whereas in the Western world, you, know, you, you would ask questions and, and, and debate and discuss. You, you, know, you, you tease things out. And so for the Chinese students, they're looking at the, these students questioning or undermining the lecturer, and they think that's massively disrespectful. I think there's a lot of work to be done around culture and cultural understanding. If you, if you have the awareness, you'll, you'll understand it. Um, but if you don't, that's another piece. And another example might be, say, in the Western world, people tend to play tennis when they communicate, okay? I speak, you speak, we knock it back and forth. Um, that, that's not the case everywhere. Um, for example, in Brazil, people juggle. They have conversations here, they have conversations over there, they have conversations over there. And that can be quite disconcerting if you're not used to that because you think, hey, we were having a conversation, now you're having a conversation, what's going on? But again, it's, it's just, a, it's a cultural piece. And there is um, a lecturer named Philip Zambardo, he's a psychology professor. He does a wonderful piece and I'll, I'll send it to you after this so that um, when this goes up, you can include it. It's called The Secret Powers of Time. And it's kind of around culture and cultural misunderstandings and the impact that that has. So for me, when I see students come together um, and, and I've seen it on weekend walks and students who, you know, maybe come from countries where this country is traditionally doesn't get along with this other country. And suddenly these two people meet and they both find out that they're, you know, into the same music or the same food or the same TV show. And they find out, hey, you're, you're not so bad, actually. And they get chatting together and they become friends. And then they tell their friends, hey, I was talking to the person and, you know, from this country. And they're not what we've been told to believe. So I think that international education can be phenomenally powerful. I see the impact that it's had in Ireland and the kind of almost cultural revolution we've had in Ireland since 1990 and, and how those from outside of Ireland have helped to add to that. So I certainly don't want to see us lose that. Again, when it comes to COVID, I know that it might have an impact in the short term. But one of the things I would love to see universities do, and I've talked about this, is I think immersive theatre, right, um, is doing like improv theater is doing some amazing things. I've been to some online shows where they use, say, a Zoom, right? But then they use breakout rooms to, for different parts of it. And I think that could be a really interesting way. I think we need to think outside the box. I think we need to reimagine. I think we cannot continue to do things just because they've always been done that way. I mean, we're in 2020. The, the world, we, we, you know, we know about evolution. The, the world is constantly evolving. The, things are constantly in motion and shifting. I think that universities should constantly be looking at new ways to engage people, especially when we have seen, say, the impact of technology and social media. So looking to, I suppose, create those communities and those online communities, I really think that there are ways to do that. But I think that education needs to look at other sectors and to borrow ideas and bring them into the fold. Okay, and 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 Colm, I want to ask uh, you this: is like 
when this COVID-19 happened, how do you think the education sector, uh, uh, since you are within that uh, area, how do you think they responded uh, to the COVID-19? And, and uh, what was the thought like from the DCU point of view, okay, what should we do? We have international students, they want to fly back. There was a panic all over. How, how, what was the uh, thing that was going on in the mind? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm really proud of DCU's response because I, I think that they really made it student-centered. And I think you saw that in terms of uh, the, speaking to the students, they have said that and I, the interviews I've done with them. And I, I think there were a number of different things. And I think for the most part, Ireland can really be proud of what it did because we made the pandemic unemployment payment available to anyone who had lost a job, okay? So it didn't matter where you were from um, in the world. Um, So many international students were able to access that. Also, the other thing that was done was if you were in a a part-time job and that 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 was still ongoing then it was you were allowed to work full time you still had to continue with your coursework but you were allowed to work full time and that was because there was a recognition that international students were so important because they worked in shops they worked as hotel porters they worked in um, canteens in um, hospitals. They worked in preparing food um, for hospitals. They worked as nurses. They worked as doctors. The, the, the impact and what international students and people from all around the world brought to Ireland was so evident at that time. We, Ireland would not have been able to cope with COVID in the way that it did if it hadn't been for our international doctors, our international nurses, and our international people who made such vital contributions. So it was great to me that those students who were relying on part-time work and no longer had it had access to the uh, pandemic unemployment payment. Those students who were working, you know, had the opportunity if they so wished to work full time and, and still study. And then in terms of the universities, the again, for DCU, DCU said in terms of accommodation that they any student who needed accommodation was able to be accommodated on the DCU campus. So some students went home and they, you know, they were able to study from home, but many students stayed um, in in DCU and some students, a small number of students had to move from, um, maybe they were staying in accommodation that was no longer suitable um, or for different reasons. And, so, and some of those were accommodated then on the DCU campus. So I really think that the university itself, the staff and the academics made every effort possible as well when it came to exams and trying to ensure that everyone had as fair an assessment as possible, taking into account the the impact of the pandemic was also ensuring the integrity of the course. So I think really in fairness to Ireland, they did a a, a pretty good job. And even if you look at, say, immigration, the fact that they extended out people's IRP cards and they have now moved in Dublin. I, I know this is a, is a little bit different in other parts of the country, but now in Dublin, they're 
everyone can renew their permission online, which I think is going to have an in, incredibly like beneficial impact. And it's probably something that COVID hastened. Um, I think we were moving that direction anyway, but COVID meant that it had to happen because, for example, like um, a number of, three years ago, they had 70, about 73,000 people at Berkey. Then it went to 86,000. Then last year it went to 106,000. You can't have 106,000 people now going to the same building. It just wasn't going to work. So bringing in that online system means that you're probably, you're taking out more than two thirds of the people who need to go to, to register at Berkey in person. And that I think is a great example of where technology can solve an issue. And I think that there will be learnings like that across different sectors. And I, I think that there will be learnings like that also in education. For me, I'm, you know, I am impressed by what the Irish education system and the higher education system did in, in, the, um, in the wake of COVID. And whilst it was disruptive, while it did take um, students and, and faculty a bit of time to find their feet in the new online world, it's interesting when you talk to students, they talk about how they kind of found their way with the faculty. Both of them were getting used to this new online learning environment like full time, but it it seemed to work and the assessment seemed to work overall. And certainly, you know, I, I can only really speak to the, the DCU context, but the DCU students I have spoken to were all reasonably happy given the, the circumstances and given what the country and the world was dealing with at the time. One more thing which I just want to touch point is, if you look, education is also uh, a business, right? Um, and universities have to pay, uh, their staff have to pay for the maintenance, have to pay for the huge buildings and, 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 and the infrastructure. Uh, and I know COVID-19 has affected that. And I, and I also know uh, that the international students um, uh, pay uh, the amount of fees uh, that they want to work, study in these uh, big universities. But apart from that, uh, how will the online education leverage that? Uh, the reason I'm asking this question is when you, when the international students apply or uh, come to study in the university, uh, they not only apply for the course, but they also apply for the experience in the university, right? So the one online raging debate which was ongoing was uh, the big universities are charging the same amount of fees, but we're not having the international experience. And, and this, this happened with, with uh, uh, Harvard, uh, MIT, and all of those, uh, to name a few. Uh, do you think it, Universities have to do that uh, because uh, even they have to keep themselves running uh, to pay the cost and maintenance. Or where will it go? Where will where where can we reach the balance there? You know, in terms of because like if I'm paying fifteen thousand dollars or or thirty five thousand uh, dollars to study in particular university i'm not only paying for that but i'm also paying for the experience to go to that country so what what, what do you think are the thoughts there going around uh, these these uh, situation yeah a really interesting situation and one that is in flux i think 
what universities are trying to ensure firstly is the safety of students and i understand in many respects why there is kind of a perception as to why am i paying full fees when it's online but if you talk to academics they'll tell you that preparing an online course is more work than preparing to teach in person and even though things are online you still require the staff behind the scenes because there are a phenomenal number of emails or a phenomenal number of queries i do, i think also if you some of it is the perception um, piece okay because I, an example of that for me is where so, so our perceptions can affect what we're willing to pay and, and, and what we and how we view it when the compact disc came out okay the compact disc was actually cheaper to produce than the cassette tape but their perception was that it was a better technology therefore it was more expensive and people were willing to pay more for the compact disc so perception plays a huge role in it and i think that up to now the perception around online education and um for those who weren't undertaking it was that it was easy it was lesser it wasn't as good yet if you said to somebody hey do you want to take a course they are doing online assessment they were like oh i don't want to do that so it's in that that dichotomy is interesting in and of itself but i i don't think that it is lesser in in every which way i think the quality of the education is still really good and i go back to what i said i do think we need to ensure that it's an immersive experience that we create that sense of community for me that sense of community is really key and that's one of the reasons why campuses have been so great is that it has allowed people from all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of interests to find their community on a college campus. I think we need to ensure that happens. I think that it's going to be different in different countries. Um, and I think that, it, you know, maybe if, if a university has a massive endowment behind it, they might need to look into that to ensure, you know, that things are equitable and, and students have access to what they need to have access to. But in Ireland, we're looking at a situation where many of the universities face kind of chronic underfunding. And so that is something that we we need to tackle to it. And again, I think we need to come up with new and interesting solutions to that. And maybe one of the things and this would be radical but maybe one of the things is looking to what they do in america whereby if you make a donation to uh you know uh, uh, certain organizations you can write that off against your taxes maybe we need to look at doing something like that for higher education in ireland that if you make a donation to uh, a college a university an it that that would you could write it off against taxes I don't know if that's the answer, but we have to come up with some way of bridging the funding gap in terms of higher ed in Ireland because things just can't continue as they are. And I just think, again, thinking outside the box, coming up with new ideas, there there have to be a whole host of things that, that we could do. 
So I think it's going to need universities also to engage with students and to highlight to them if they are going online, why they are going online and to also ensure that if they are doing that, that we really look to engage with those students and create those, you know, communities that it isn't just a tick the box exercise in terms of providing, um, you know, events or support, but that we truly engage to ensure that, you know, the, the students have the best possible experience. Because I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, American institutions have been really great at ensuring their students feel part of a university overall. I mean, when you talk to many, uh, I have lots of American friends and know lots of, of people from America having worked in the study abroad world and traveled extensively over there. They all talk about their alma mater. They all talk about their institution. They're proud of their institutions and they really feel part of something. And that's not the case everywhere. And I think that's something that, you know, we, we should look at. And I don't think that requires you to charge super high fees. I just think it requires you to engage with, with students and ensure that they feel listened to, that they feel heard, heard and that they feel part of something. And I think that's the key, whether you're online or offline, in person or in a virtual learning environment, ensuring that someone feels part of it, that they feel part of the community is key to everything. Yeah, some some fantastic points there. Uh, uh, let us let us uh, look at the fact uh, of current students, um, right in in Ireland. So uh, currently, the students uh, who were supposed to continue their classes and everything was ongoing. Um, what happened uh, or, or what is the situation of uh, the students who come on exchange program from different countries? Uh, how, how that has uh, uh, changed? For example, people from Ireland, they go to US, uh, they go to Australia and New Zealand and, and vice versa. The, the students come from those universities to here on exchange program. Uh, has, uh, like, let us talk about DCU, uh, what are the um, steps that has been taken to for those students who come on exchange program? Has there been measures there in, in, in that part of the, um, uh, that part of um, the area where you have exchange students coming from different countries? I think exchange is the area, exchange and study abroad is the area that's probably going to be very deeply hit by the COVID pandemic. I think if people are studying full-time, it, it's a lot easier. The concern about those who are studying on exchange is what happens if there is a second wave and who would you know who would be responsible for the credits if the student needed to to go back if there if there was an outbreak on a student's home institution um but there there wasn't in the host country if there was an outbreak in the host country but not the home institution and, and the student wanted to go home it raises a lot of different questions so i think that's the area where 
there's probably the the biggest impact and um it has had an impact certainly on our exchange and and study abroad programs um they some will still happen but and it's these are programs that are close to my heart because i worked in study abroad for seven years i i think studying abroad is wonderful for students but I do think it's an area that has been changing over time anyway I think that if I look back to when I started in in study abroad kind of in 08 you were looking at you know a situation where people tended to maybe come on exchange for a year and then that that shortened and, and kind of went to a semester and we've even seen really kind of the growth in summer schools in over the last few years so I do think the trend has been shifting anyway but I it that is an area that will be impacted. I I do think that the full degree students, be they undergrad or be they master's students or PhD students, that's that's an area that that's still very robust and those students will travel. There'll obviously be some who may do the first semester in their home country and then come to Ireland in January. But I, I think the first semester of study abroad, because of the uncertainty, it is going to, to be impacted. And particularly in, I think, you know, from maybe some of the traditional places where Ireland would have seen large numbers of those exchange students coming for a semester or from a year, those have been particularly hard hit by COVID. So they have been um you know, that's had a, a huge impact. For the prospective students uh, who are coming to Ireland, let us talk about them. Uh, Post-pandemic, uh, uh, like there are many students who, who, who wants to travel and there are many existing students who went away during the pandemic and they are coming back. Um, do you uh, want to give some uh, outcome on where we are in terms of uh, the new prospective students? what they have to do uh, if they are choosing Ireland. I know we have one of the best universities in Ireland, you know, and we are proud to be, like we have Trinity, we have UCD, we have DCU, we have NCI, uh, we have NUIG. And as you said, I completely agree with you, uh, like in the US. Sure. Um, and I think I'll, I'll tie some of it into what, what you were talking about, because firstly, we are really lucky that we have so many wonderful educational institutions and I, I I mean I graduated from UCC I worked in CIT I worked in Trinity I worked in UCD and I work in DCU I can talk to the the sector you know I, I've been in um, you know four of the major major universities and in, in CIT one of the top institutes of technology that's going to become uh, a technological university. So I know how strong the, the sector is and I really believe passionately that Ireland is a wonderful place for an international student to study, both in terms of their educational experience, but also outside of the classroom, the opportunity to explore Ireland, the opportunity to get to know people. But it does take a student to 
really come out of their shell and, and really take advantage of the opportunities. Irish institutions don't tend to grab you by the hand. Uh, you, you really have to make the most of it yourself. I think also some of the American identity comes, some of it from sports and they're probably really lucky in that when students tend to start in August and September is right when their big football seasons are starting. Whereas here in Ireland, our GAA finals are just coming to an end. And so that, you know, and and it takes a bit of time for things to to start back up again. I do think that, you know, uh, sports in general in Ireland should look to bring in international students because there's such uh, an opportunity there to have groups of students come along to GA games. And when I bring international students along to a Gaelic football match or a hurling match, they're absolutely blown away by the sport they can't believe how fast it is how physical it is how they really enjoy it you know and it might take them a, a, a full half to understand what's going on but they they really find it absolutely fascinating i do think there are opportunities there for us to utilize that to really capture ireland for the students for the students who are going to be arriving this year they are going to have to quarantine and that is something that that will be a requirement so there will be a 14-day period where um, after arriving in the country um, they will have to restrict their movements um, mainly to uh, campus if they're living on campus Um, but I, I think that that's going to be really important because obviously people are traveling and we know that that is um an area where you could potentially be exposed to COVID. So I think outside of that, though, hopefully the learnings that I spoke about earlier from the semester just gone, the there will be things that will happen during that two-week self-isolation period, a lot of online events to help students to form those communities and and to get to know one another. And a lot, I suppose, is going to depend on how the semester plays out. But I would always advocate to to students to whatever the opportunities are, whether they're online or, or whether they're in person, to take advantage of those opportunities. One of the awful things about homesickness is that the natural reaction to homesickness is to withdraw into yourself. And when that's actually the worst thing you can do, you see, you tend to just kind of withdraw and you tend to maybe focus on your friends back home and what they're doing. And what they're doing is really familiar, right? So you almost miss it more. When ideally what you do is you'd get out there, you'd make new friends, you'd see new things. So I do think taking advantage of the opportunities. Long term, I actually think that there will be really great job opportunities for students. I think that the part-time jobs will be hit. Look, there's no doubt about that. Restaurants, pubs, um, we we know that potentially shops as well are not going to be taking on as many staff as they ordinarily would. 
But the Ireland's biggest industries like tech, pharmaceutical, medical technology, they're only growing in a COVID world. So I think you're going to see really, really great opportunities. I mean, I think it was announced yesterday that TikTok are, are building a data center here in Ireland, uh, spending 500 million on that. It's going to be their first um, data center in Europe. So I think that highlights that Ireland is going to continue to be that tech hub. And I think you'll see the same in terms of pharmaceutical, in terms of financial services, in terms of medical technology. So what I would say to students who are coming to Ireland is use the opportunity that you have now. Use the opportunity that you have when you arrive and and you do have to self-isolate and maybe you can't get out there to do all the things you'd love to do to get to try to get to know Irish culture a little bit particularly Irish workplace culture because it is very different um, from the the rest of the world you know we are a very indirect people you you know so it's important that you get to know the, the culture and, and even the, the way things are, are said, you know, will, will you get that for me? Yeah, now in a minute, now in a minute, uh, you know, and so the, the slang we use, things like that, and even the fact of how CVs look over here, how cover letters look, how, how interviews will work, because it's different from maybe what uh, students are used to. So I do think one simple thing you can do if you haven't already done so is set up a LinkedIn profile or if you have a LinkedIn profile, have a look at it. Make sure your photo isn't five, year, five years ago or, or really old or really inappropriate and have a look at, I suppose, the job postings. Have a look at the way in which people in your sector who are well-respected, how they post, what they talk about, um, are there tips that you can listen to? Because the fact is, is that because of the world that we have now and, and because so many things are online, there is a wealth of information. Sometimes it can be almost overwhelming. You're hit by a tsunami of information. But if you're looking to find out about the job market in Ireland, there are podcasts you can listen to. Like at DCU, the DCU Career Service is a really great podcast which is broken down into different episodes and each of the episodes gives you different tips on different sectors. So utilize the time, you know, don't just spend it like talking to people at, at home. Yes, keep in touch with friends and family, let them know that you're safe, but you are in an, a new country, you're going to have new experiences. Utilize your time to ensure that you build the best possible experience for for yourself that you can and that you are looking forward particularly master students you are not going to believe how quickly that time goes you're going to arrive in september and before you know it that year in university will be gone and you are going to be on the third level graduate program stamp 1g and you're going to be looking for a job so you need to hit the ground running here and you need to take advantage of it. So do, do your research and Google is going to be your friend. Put in the work yourself. Nobody is going to hand this to you on a plate. The resources are there. People will, will help you, but you can't 
continuously ask, 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 ask. You have to put some of the work in yourself and people will help you then if they see you taking steps yourself. So for, for me, the opportunities will be there for students when they graduate. So for those of you who are coming to Ireland next month in, in September 2020 and will be graduating I I really think that the opportunities will be there for you, but it will be up to you to take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, uh, I, I I think uh, that that's that is the main um, uh, you know criteria for all the students uh, to to follow the rules and regulations that uh, authorities have put across. Uh, you know, and apart from that. Uh, Definitely, definitely. Once they come in and they'll know themselves how they can enjoy and and be part of a community and 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 work their way up. And also, uh, like we, I was doing this. Uh, I was doing this a team building activity in one of the um, uh, students uh, group, and one of the students asked me was. Uh, we don't know uh, what will be the job market section um, after the COVID-19. Uh, where do we go from here? And um, uh, and I, I told him that if there is ups and downs, there is pros and cons, um, but we will uh, only grow from post-COVID-19 situation. And Ireland is like heart of uh, European tech center, and we have major corporations working in uh, in in Ireland, and they are open uh, to expand and expand because they will not be not going back. Uh, so he asked a very interesting question, like when you say expand, um, nobody's not working in the campus. I was like, <laughs> and I was like. What, what I meant with expand is the business will expand and they need to have workforce uh, that will be part of it. Uh, and and this, is, this is not just for the international students. Uh, the one more thing which I wanted to cover is uh, the national students, our students. Uh, uh, and some of them may think, okay, guys, we will not have the campus life, you know, we may not out, uh, not go out for a, for a Friday night, you know, probably what's the crack in that, as we say in, 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 a, in a, uh, Irish thingy. Uh, so for the national students, there are many opportunities as well. They can apply for grants through SUSI, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, and they can apply for many uh, national scholarships that universities offer them. Um, it's still gonna be fun. Uh, from my perspective, I'm, uh, I just wanna hear from you as well. I think that students shouldn't delay a year or, a, or, or, or a, uh, simply you know, delay one year because they think they'll not have a campus life, but they'll still be able to enjoy it um, with, with this new challenge and, and new uh, rules put in. Uh, so what, what do you think uh, uh, is is the right advice for the students, for the national students who are within Ireland who, like we know we had ups and downs with, with, with the leaving cert and many students were disappointed, the parents were disappointed, uh, but the government did do a very good job in, uh, in helping those students out as well. But the students will be now looking forward for the universities. As an international recruiter and a student um, uh, a guide, uh, what do you suggest for the national students? Sure. I, I, 
I understand the frustration a little bit. I think the decision to cancel the Leaving Cert was an understandable one. I think students un- felt a little bit put out by how late the results came out. I think probably if that had been communicated a little bit earlier, that would have helped even. That it was that it took so long to let them know doesn't help. The uncertainty just leads to you know can 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 lead to that 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 frustration. But we are where we are now. Per, every every student is going to need to decide what's best for them. But personally, I think that ta- you know I don't know what taking a year out is going to help. I don't think it will help a student in this situation because it's not like the, all of these incredible opportunities are out there for students. Most of the world is locked down due to COVID. Uh, Ireland is potentially more open than some places in the world. We have, you know, although we, we have seen a rise again this week, we're still in a much better position than many other countries around the world. So for me... I think probably recognize that it will be a little bit different, but that it will probably be a reflection on the way life is. I've been on campus this week in DCU, but that's my first time on campus since February. Now, some of that was because I was traveling. I was um, in Malaysia, I was in India, I was in Ghana. So... But I would, from mid-March, I wouldn't have been on campus anyway. And many of my colleagues haven't even been back to campus and probably won't be back to campus until September. So working life has been disrupted also. So for, for students, this mirrors it. So what I would say is, I think take advantage, um, you know, get, get, get involved now. You, it will look different. You know, you probably won't have the nights out that you would have had in other years, but this may allow you to save money, which may help you to fund an Erasmus or a study abroad experience in the future. To me, my experiences abroad were fundamental to shaping me and my experiences and my worldview and, and really to my desire to work with international people. I loved when I traveled. I was very fortunate that I did have the opportunity to to travel. I worked hard um, during the summers and I worked every single weekend to save money to allow me to to do that. So I would say to, to students to get involved in the ways that you can to if you can get a part-time job on the side to put some money aside, then do that as well. And I think look to the future and look to the fact that in two years time when you're in third year and maybe you're 20, you're a little bit older, a little bit wiser, and suddenly you do have that money and you can now take that study abroad experience. And maybe instead of just a semester, you actually have enough money to go for the year. And imagine having the opportunity to spend a year in Paris, in Berlin, in Australia, in America, in Canada, in Brazil. Like the amazing thing about university life now is that universities tend to have partnership agreements and and, uh, opportunities for study all over the world. So you're not merely limited to 
just, you know, Europe anymore or Europe and America. The opportunities to go are manifold. And so you could go and you could spend a year in Tokyo, or you could spend a year in Seoul, and you could have this incredible experience, which would be so valuable to you, not only on your CV, but just in terms of shaping you. So to me, again, it's about making the most of the hand you've been dealt. I, I wish it was different for everyone. Like the last few summers, right? Every single summer when we've gotten into say August, September, I I, I would do these, I've always done weekend walks and, and sometimes it's, you know, maybe six, seven, eight students. But over the last couple of years in August, we've had like 150 students come on walks. We've taken over the dart in, in Dublin as we go out to Bray and Greystones. And I would love to be doing that again. I would love to be in that position, but we're not there right now because of COVID and because we have to ensure everyone's safety. I think universities will look to do as much as possible in person safely. So take advantage of those opportunities that are there. But if it's not there, it's for safety reasons. Nobody is choosing to do this. We would all love to be on campus and many of my colleagues feel exactly the same way. I would say the vast majority of people do. So this is not a simple choice. This is due to health and safety issues. I So I understand there will undoubtedly be some students that for a variety of different factors decide that they may need to defer. But I would say to students who, you know, where you don't, you don't, there, there is not a health reason or a family reason or a personal reason to really think about it. And, and I, I don't know what you would get out of pressing the pause button right now, because it's not like you can go and work in New York at, at the moment, you know, the, the opportunities just aren't there. It's not like you can suddenly do that backpacking trip that you've always dreamed of. That will come later. So why not begin your studies and take advantage of all the learning that, that you will have, take advantage of, even, even if it is online, it is going to stand to you when you move into the workforce. So that would be my advice, both to national and to international students. Again, for international students, it's probably a bigger consideration because new country, new continent, all everything that, that factors into it, and you are so far away from home. So it's probably a little bit easier for national students, not for everyone. There will always be a cohort who it isn't, but for the majority, it is easier. So why not take advantage of the opportunities that are there? Okay, uh, and a few questions uh, before I uh, uh, I started. Some of the students have sent me. Do you mind if I go through them and we sure, take them we one can. by one? <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, like when before I wanted to do this episode, we uh, uh, like uh, we had sent uh, some online uh, questions from students, international students. So I, I, there are many of the uh, questions. I think we answered most of them. Uh, and just to tell the uh, listeners that these questions may differ from the universities to universities, uh, but do check your universities. Like uh, column may answer in general, but probably uh, this may apply to most of the universities. Like, uh, uh, the first question is like, how will my program be delivered uh, this year if I join uh, DCU? Um, well, 
do I need uh, to attend campus to take my program uh, this year uh, or should I just do it online uh, from the country I'm applying? Uh, so I'm trying to apply to DCU from, from China. So that's the question from one of the students from who wants to apply uh, to MSc in computing from China. Sure, okay. So I think it is definitely going to vary from institution to institution. Yeah. It's going to vary also from course to course, okay? Mm -hmm. So some courses are going to be entirely online. Some courses are going to be online for the first semester. Some courses are going to require students to come to Dublin. And there may be some courses where students have a choice in terms of what, whether to come to Dublin for first semester or not. So I think it's going to differ. So for example, the, the MSc in computing is a course where it is online for the first semester and then students will come to Dublin in January. The important thing about that is that it will ensure students will still have access to the third level graduate scheme, the two year stay back. They will definitely still have access to that when they uh, come for their second semester. It is because the courses are kind of so large that the faculty members decided this was the best way to go. And because the software is now so good that you don't, you don't, you're not required to be in a lab to carry out the experiments. You, you don't need a super powerful laptop. You can l use the um, platforms that are online. So your simple laptop at home will be able to, to deal with this. And that is what they have decided to do. And I think for every student, they will need to look at what the options for their particular course are and what the options, again, um, best suit them. So for some, some students, they will want to come to, to Dublin um, straight away. But just be aware that, as we've said, there will be that self-isolation period and the reality is, and we, we have to be realistic, part-time jobs will be very difficult to come by for that first semester. That, the, the, that's the reality. I, I think things will pick up in the second semester as we move towards St. Patrick's Day 2021, but um, it will be difficult. So for students who are coming over, they, they need to factor that in. Maybe ordinarily they had friends or seniors who found a job in Dublin, no hassle or, or a job anywhere in, uh, around the country. Just be aware of, of that. Um, so it, it really depends uh, on the course, but for the MSc in computing, you're going to spend the time in your home country, which hopefully allows you to maybe save some money. So again, when you, can, when you do come to D Dublin in January, then you have some extra money and you can take advantage of that after you've settled in. And so my recommendation would be when we get to June 2021, do a road trip get down to see Cork and Kerry and then go up the West Coast, go up to Galway. Take advantage of the fact that the sun doesn't set in Ireland until 11 or half 11 back in June. And if we get nice weather, it, the West Coast is the most amazing place in, in the world. Uh, there's, uh, there's one interesting question. Um, so uh, 
to how how this question is from uh, uh, I, I think it's a similar question, but I'm going to ask uh, this international student and the national student. So, how will the campus be kept safe for students? What are the measures uh, that has been taken um, uh, to keep the campus safe for the students? Uh, involve in all the activities that they can, but also follow the social distancing rules uh, and 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 how oh, the students can still enjoy uh, the overall uh, uh, overall experience of of the campus. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to a lot of what we've talked about, and even the fact that what I mentioned there, where cohorts are so large that you know they figured the best thing to do was to put that first semester online so that you know people are then when they come they're kind of in their different strands i think uh, most universities are going to look to probably put an emphasis on the in-person piece on the first year undergrads in particular, which you can understand they have never had a university experience. They don't have any sorts of communities themselves. Every university is also going to have a cleaning regime. So you're likely to probably see a lot of one-way systems. So where people would ordinarily, you know, would have previously just walked here, there and kind of everywhere I think there'll probably be one entrance into a building and one exit. I also talked earlier, I think libraries are going to look different this year. I think there's going to be an emphasis, particularly in the first semester, on ebooks and and digital editions. I also think you're likely to have to book space in the library because they're not just going to want people wandering here, there and everywhere. So every institution is looking at maximizing the in-person experience, but they all have to do so safely. And so the large gatherings indoors are just not going to, to happen. So those kind of traditional large gatherings that, that you may have had in canteens or you know, during what we would call here Freshers Week, where you might have had, a, you know, a, a sports hall or, or an auditorium, which might hold four or 500 people. I, that's not going to happen this year. So they're going to ensure um, health and safety. They're going to adhere to health and safety regulations, and they're going to clean everything down. I mean, so I, as I mentioned, I was on campus this week and at the end of the day, we've, they've had somebody in to, to clean every, everything down. Um, there's also spray in the room. There are wipes in the room. There are hand sanitizing stations in every single room. So I do think that's going to, to be what, what you're going to see. You're also going to have the use of face masks um, where, where possible. Um, it's not, you know, so I, I think that you will see a, an awful lot of, of health and safety measures, particularly, again, in that first semester. And the hope is that we do have it under control and that things will improve as we move through the first semester. We have to see how that goes but it will undoubtedly look a little bit different this year than it has in the past. Yeah, and, and just to let you know, I was um, um, last weekend on Sunday, I was in NUIG. I was, uh, I, I just like to cycle around and, and walk and 
to be very honest, um, there are signs and posts uh, within the campus everywhere uh, to follow social distancing. I think it's pretty much the same in all the universities across Ireland, and they have taken great measures to keep students safe. And I think Colin made some valid points there. Uh, you don't really have to be worried about uh, how the uh, facilities will take care of the the campus. I think they're doing a great job across the universities across Ireland. So uh, you can be rest assured that you will have great experience, but also follow social distancing rules. Uh, there's there's a mix of questions, uh, Colm, and I'm, I'm co combine these three questions into one. Uh, one is uh, I'm an international student, and my IRP uh is due to expire um what should i do just for the viewers when i say irp it means irish residency permit uh and also a follow-up question was my friend uh, is applying for msc uh in business analytics in dcu uh i want to know since the COVID-19 situation is across the globe. Should I still be able, should I still apply for the visa? Uh, or can I just um, take the online course and when the situation becomes um, uh, good, I apply for the visa and then travel uh, to the country. So what do you have to say for that? Okay, so there's a couple of things, okay? So the IRP, the Irish Residence Permit, is a residency card. So you have to be in Ireland in order to renew it. That is the first thing to say. Now, again, Innes have been pretty flexible where, where they can be um, because ordinarily, you know, you're not supposed to be out of the country for certainly more than 90 days at a time. But they recognize that COVID has changed things. But you are going to have to be in Ireland in order to renew your IRP card. So it's also important that if your IRP card expires while you're out of the country and you're a visa required national, you are going to have to apply for a new entry visa. If you are just about to graduate and you're looking to move on to the third level graduate scheme, that could have a real impact, okay? Because you need to technically, you need to be on stamp two in order to move on to the third level graduate scheme. So, I would say um, that for, for students who returned back to their home countries, you really need to look to be getting back to Ireland um, to either continue your studies or to move on to the third level graduate program. It's not just new students who, ha who will have to self-isolate for 14 days on arrival in Ireland. Returning students, that means you too. Wherever, wherever you're coming from, okay? That's really important that you remember that. So build that into your travel plans. Know where you're going to be staying because you're going to have to, to fill in the um, information when, when you're landing in Ireland. They will look to know where you're staying. Um, they will look for contact details. They may well follow up with you during that 14-day period to ensure you are following the, the regulations. So let's say you do that, you're back, you follow the 14 days. What do you do in terms of renewing? Well, that is going to depend where you are. If you're in Dublin, you use the new online system, which students were able to, to use last year. And those who used it found it quick. They found it efficient. They found that it worked. It is also available to those moving on to the third level graduate program, because that is essentially an extension of student permission. Although your stamp number changes to 1G, it's really, uh, 
stamp stamp two with an asterisk because it doesn't count towards residency. So it allows you to extra time to work. So your work goes to four, you know, full time, 40 hours a week, but it doesn't count towards residency. So you are able to get that online. You will need your results. Okay. You will need transcripts. You will need to prove that you have finished your studies. That's the really important thing. Cause sometimes I'll, students will say, oh, I've submitted everything. I, I submitted everything. You, but you don't have your results. You could fail something. Fingers crossed, touch wood, get a, a lucky rabbit's leg, whatever you want. But in us, and I understand this is where they're coming from. They're saying, if you don't have your results, how do we know that you, you haven't failed a module? Suddenly we give you one G, you're able to work full time, but you're also having to repeat some modules. So that's where they're coming from. A lot of immigration is common sense. Okay. I, I know it sometimes doesn't seem that way because it's so hidden, but what in what immigration, what in this and having worked in there, like what they're always trying to figure out is who are are you who you say you are? Why are you in the country? Does it make sense? Like if, if you're studying, uh, you know, wh why are you why are you studying that, that course? Okay, that makes sense. But say you had you were a doctor who's going, you know, to who worked in the United States. You're a doctor from India who worked in the United States for 10 years and you're applying for an English language course. What they, they're not going to approve that. They're also gonna want to know that you have enough money to support yourself and that you have medical insurance. So it's the same take that approach to immigration, break it down for yourself. And I think that will make it easier. And when it comes to renewing your, your IRP, if you're outside of Dublin, you're going to do that in your local Garda station. Currently, they are looking at extending the online outside of that. But in this look after immigration permission in Dublin, outside of Dublin is the Garda National Immigration Bureau, the GNIB. And so that is why it's different. I know that can be frustrating for people, but at least if you can understand it, I think that will, will help. So I, what, I, what I would say is, again, take notice of your location and look into what it is that you need to do. But you cannot renew the IRP from outside Ireland. You have to be here. You fill in, um, if you're in Dublin, you use the online system, you fill in your details, you mail in the documentation that's required, and they'll send it back to you. Okay, and also uh, I, I think most of the people um, in in the in the visa section are really really nice, uh, and they they help students a lot. So, uh, as Colin mentioned, you you it, it it's, it's about common sense. To be very honest, you need to know what is right, and you have to uh, do it legally and right, um, and, and then it'll be more easier for you as well as you as you uh, proceed in your education and also progress to uh, uh, from stamp two to stamp one G. Uh, one more one more question. I think uh, I, I'll take this as the last question, which uh, I really uh, wanted to ask you is. Okay, I don't have a family in Ireland. I'm a student, prospective student. If I travel and I'm all fine, I have taken a COVID-19 test before I flew from my home country. Uh, I come back, I come to the, I come to Ireland and I've quarantined myself for 14 days uh, or more. And after a few days, if I contract coronavirus, who will support me? I think that's a, that's a good question, um, you know. Yeah, no, it, it, it is a good question um, in, in many respects. So there, there are a couple of different factors to this, okay? So one, you, 
you you have to show immigration that you have sufficient funds to support yourself. You also have to show immigration that you have medical insurance. Um, and I, I know for a lot of students, they they want to get things as cheaply as possible. I understand that desire, but just make sure that it covers you for the basics, right? It has to cover you for inpatient hospital care in Ireland. It also, and this is... The, what few people want to talk about, but it has to cover repatriation. And that's worst case, that's absolute worst case scenario that nobody wants to deal with that. But the reality is, is that repatriation of a body can run to tens of thousands of euro. And it's horrible, but you don't want to put anyone's family in that situation where they're already dealing with you know, a terrible situation, they're dealing with grief, they're dealing with losing a loved one overseas, and suddenly they're landed with this enormous bill. So, and again, I get it when you're young, you, you're, it's not something you're thinking about, but you really need to consider that it at least covers the basics and at least covers repatriation, okay? If you do contract COVID while you're here, I suppose there are a number of different factors to it. One, going to, some of it's going to depend where you're staying, um, are, are you on campus? Are there support services available to you in that way? The Irish government, and again, this is where I think Ireland can take a lot of credit, ensured that COVID care, so treatment for COVID, was available to, to everyone. Um, and that is something that I understand will continue. I don't know if the pandemic unemployment payment will be extended to everyone it's tough, it's tough to know whether that will happen again, but COVID care is something that that is. So between the COVID care and between the medical insurance, you should be well covered. Um, and in Ireland, nobody is going to, you know, hospitals aren't going to, to kick you out. They're going to treat you. Um, the bill may come later, which is why I'm saying, um, you know, ensure that you have the, the medical insurance because we know that, you know, the, the the good thing is that the vast majority of people make a recovery from COVID. Unfortunately, we obviously have seen a huge number of people pass and that it's been a horrible situation. But the vast majority of people do recover. But there are also a number of people where COVID lasts for a long time and it has an impact and it can manifest two, three, four weeks later, and it, and it can manifest in different ways. And so you may need to go back to the doctor. Um, and so that's where, you know, potentially your medical insurance might really be important because it might not be considered, you know, a COVID illness initially. Um, or initially it might be, but longer term it might not until they properly diagnose it. So bear that in mind. But Irish the Irish hospitals are, are, are really good. You get really good care. Nurses and doctors are really attentive. So you will be looked after, but you just want to ensure that you don't have a giant bill waiting for you on the other side of things. But no, no one will, uh, will, will see you suffer. I, I promise you that. But also ensure that like, you know, if you are if you are sick, you need to let people know. Don't try and hide it. Don't try and 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 go through it yourself. Um, you know, 
the, you, you have your phone, you have your laptop, um, you, you can access um, help, you can access COVID helplines. So let people know um, so that help can come to you. Um, no, nobody in the university is a mind reader, so they're not going to, to know. So you need to let people know. Yeah, um, we have so many questions. <laughs> one question I just want to—it's uh, not a question. It's um, from one of the uh, international student, um, Kazim. Um, when you put the status that you're gonna interview column um, in your podcast, I just want to say uh, I love his podcast, uh, Adventures in Advising, as well. Uh, so tell him congratulations and keep up the good work. Uh, and I I like Techledo uh, for the work they do. Uh, and and um, you have great guests for within your podcast. So um, so congrats, column. So there's some, some <laughs> congrats to congrats to us both, because what a lovely comment. So I don't know who sent that in, but thanks to whoever it was. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it, it 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 says uh, anonymous. So um, okay, similar. One more, one more uh, is somebody called Deepika, uh, and she has. Uh, said the same thing that we, we we love your podcast it's more educative and it also opens a lot of uh, questions about uh, how how to do and how uh, uh, to work and and be motivated so yeah well i think it's a pat on our back <laughs> for, and then i think our podcast is basically to educate people to keep it more raw and honest so that people will get educated uh, educated on 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 the issues and 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 real time stuff like you know it's not like it's not big science we talk normally helping our people to know mm-hmm. what things are so uh, one more question is i think and i think i'll take this as the last question if i am in the country and there is a second wave how will it impact my semester and education uh, will i have to travel back uh, this is uh, from um, key key kong a prospective student for the dcu so i you won't you won't have to to travel back anyway i i think that what we're likely to see and again some of this is my opinion but i, I do think a total lockdown is unlikely. I think what it would be is county by county. So I do think if we see a second outbreak, they may look to lock down that particular county. But even when the entire country locked down back in March, nobody at DCU had to leave. As I said, some people actually moved to DCU. So don't worry about that. Like your institution, um, DCU certainly will ensure that you don't have to to go home. Some students did choose to to go home. um, But again, you need to weigh that up because I think initially they made that decision and now they're wondering how they're going to get back um, because maybe COVID is worse where, where they went home too. So Sometimes it, it, you know, the the grass isn't always greener, and if there if there is a second outbreak, like you you will have access to all the support services, and even when we went into lockdown, people were still able to 
access, say, the counselling service. They were still able to access the careers advisory service. They were still able to access student support and development. And I know that it would be the same in many of the, the institutions that, you know, just because it goes into lockdown doesn't mean that we, we go home and, uh, you know, the, the university shuts down and, and, and nobody works. Yeah, we may have to work from home, but like, like I'm, I'm talking to, to you now, Kazim, from the other side of the country, we, we do Zoom calls with students. You, you will have that level of support. And it is in this time around, and remember, that was the first time we were dealing with COVID when we really had very little understanding of the virus. And yet, no international student had to leave if they didn't if they didn't want to. Um, I, I would say that we saw actually in terms of our master's students in particular, the vast majority of our master's students stayed. Uh, well, the one thing I just want to say, students, as well, be safe. I mean, when you're in the country, it, it, it's basically to look after yourself because you're all by yourself, even for the national students. Um, this virus attacks everybody. It's not just young, old, uh, or middle-aged middle people. It, it can come to anyone at any time. So follow the rules, follow um, uh, the rules that have been put up uh, for people to be safe. So if you follow that, you can still enjoy the, the weather, you can still enjoy um, if you are on the west side in NUIG, you can enjoy the Connemara. If you are in Dublin, you can enjoy Wicklow. <laughs> if you are on the Cork side, you can enjoy the Dingle Peninsula. Uh, and there are many things to do here. And if you still want to have a pint, you can go to um, Dublin. Uh, if you're in Dublin and uh, if you're in Galway, you can go to Galway City Centre. It's, it's a lot of lot of events happening each and every time. Uh, and I think, I think, um, uh, that is all, Colin. I think we, we have many more topics. We can keep on going, but I think we, <laughs> we uh, but I think we covered most of the topics uh, and, and we, we covered most of the questions as well um, uh, within what we wanted. I think I, I just want to ask, like I was thinking, what should, what should I put uh, the episode name? But I just want to ask you, what do you think we need to put the episode name? Uh, what is next for COVID? What is next for students uh, post-COVID-19? What do you think? Is that a good our, name for the yeah, episode? Our, or higher higher education in a in a COVID nineteen world maybe something something like that. But um, it it has been absolutely delightful to to talk to you, and ho hopefully this might be the the first of uh, you know many appearances oh, yeah. because it's it seems like there is a lot of interest. So I definitely would be uh, happy to to come back and chat to you again. And if people are interested in finding out more, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter at Column from Cork. My podcast is Adventures in Advising. And on the off chance that there is anyone out there who is a big fan of American football, I am one of the co-hosts of the Broncos Europe YouTube channel. So uh, I'm definitely very active on social media, post a lot about Ireland, post a lot of photographs of, of Ireland. So I'm always happy to, to chat to people. And this has been really wonderful, Kazim.
Yeah, no, I'm absolutely delighted, Colm. Thanks very much. Uh, and as you know, uh, to all the listeners that we will, TechLido is doing a webinar. Uh, we are bringing Colm uh, and one of our other uh, speakers, Sarah. Uh, they will be speaking about how to sell yourself uh, uh, during this COVID-19 uh, situation for all the students, how to uh, apply for jobs, what are the tricks, what are the uh, 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 skills that you need uh, uh, in order to secure a job in, in Ireland. So look out for those uh, uh, dates. I'll be uploading uh, uh, the podcast uh, probably this week and also updating all of those items and materials. I'm going to leave everything in the link below how to reach out to column. Uh, I'm going to put all the website links, education in Ireland. If you go to that website, you have everything from situation in Ireland, current students, immigration and visa applications, academic results for applications. Uh, what do you have to do when, if you're a foreign student, what do you have to do if you're a, um, a local or national student? But in general, if you have any questions, you know where we are, so reach out to us and we are happy to help. Subscribe to TechLido podcast and subscribe uh, to Adventures in Advising. Um, and soon I may be in Adventures in Advising uh, from the tech point of view, if, uh, and, and, and we, I look forward to uh, speaking in Colin's uh, podcast as well. Uh, also, before I leave, I just want to make uh, or say uh, these words that we have a dynamic um, a minister for education now in Ireland, and he's young, he, he has a vision, uh, so the prospects look really bright uh, for education or higher education in Ireland. And I think, Colm, do you agree uh, or do you have any words on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I think we are seeing there's a new minister for higher education who's dedicated specifically to that. And I hope that that means that we recognize the importance of higher education. Yeah. We're also seeing we have that a new president at DCU who I'm very excited about. I, I really think Dara has wonderful vision. I think his background as historian means that he has a great understanding uh, the, the the importance of history and the importance of, of higher education. He's somebody I admire, so I, I'm looking forward to it. UL have just appointed the first female president, which is absolutely fantastic, long overdue, and I, I UCC, my alma mater, will be appointing a new president um, as well. And Trinity College, I think the Provost term there ends next year. So we are in a really exciting period for higher education in Ireland, a time of change, but a time that could prove pivotal and hopefully it will be positive. So I'm certainly keeping my fingers crossed and I'm also going to work really hard at, you know, advocating for students, amplifying the student voice and pushing for students to have the, the best possible experience that they can. You think it's a good idea? We, I, I, I bring in uh, the education minister for the podcast and it'll all be interesting to have you as well and have his perspective of what he thinks. I would, I would absolutely love to have the opportunity to, to speak to Minister Harris. He see, is obviously somebody who cares about the sector. So to, for me, as somebody who's worked, I suppose, really closely on the student experience side of the house for, you know, a decade and a half, uh, yeah, to have the opportunity would be absolutely wonderful because he, he does seem somebody who would be interested in hearing about that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, um, I, I, I met, let, let me let let me let us let us let us let me reach out. <laughs> and and I think he's very open for that. And I think it's going to be good to have um, uh, you and uh, and him. And we can bring him if if he wants somebody else to come. And we can bring we can bring others as well. And we can have a nice chat on on what he has. Uh, planned for for higher education and and we look forward from hearing from you. and I think let, let us let us give a shout on that okay and thank you very much column uh, it was absolute amazing talking to you uh, look forward for uh, many more sessions and uh, when and thanks for doing this uh, today for Tech Leader you're very welcome thank you Kazim.